here with you on this Friday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, three and out. A lot to get to here on this show. Uh, we are loaded up with things to do from the Super Bowl. Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, going to join us. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, going to join us. We'll talk with Franklin Stevens, a former Ware County head coach, now a head coach at uh, McEachern, Coach Ernest Jones there at Ware County. Ernest Jones going to be in the Super Bowl on Sunday, linebacker for the L.A. Rams. Jermichael Finley, uh, Super Bowl champ with the Green Bay Packers, uh, going to uh, join us here on the show as well. And coming up, 5 o'clock, uh, we will chat with Catherine Garrido of Milan Day Spa there on Broad, and she will help us give away our Valentine's Day swag pack, as Ben has the said. swag pack. So we have the two-night stay at the Weston on Jekyll Island and the package there from Milan Day Spa on Broughton. She will join us. We'll have some, we've got some calls from our finalists uh, who have told us how they've met their significant other. Oh! So uh, we've got some great stories, and Catherine will pick the winner. She'll, we're going to play them for you on the air, and she'll pick the winner. So we'll get to that coming up here on the show. We're going to have a little fun on this Friday before Valentine's Day. Fellas, I know the Super Bowl's in the way. Have you thought about Valentine's Day at all? I think we've all been brainstorming, right? Thinking about potentially arts and crafts ideas. Uh, what we were talking last week, Kevin, about your your musical inclinations. Could we, you know, work on maybe like an album? I know Ben's talked about your Christmas album. You know, could we have a Valentine's <laughs> Day, a, a, a love-based album? Oh, you, all, oh, you missed that. I mean, I mean, we've all been brainstorming. Early in the week, I mean, uh, you know, me and Kevin was really getting into the, you know, the Valentine's swag pack. And Kevin starts saying, when you think of Valentine's Day, think of Kevin Thomas. Like, he was right. getting really into it and things of that nature. Yeah. When you're getting I, ready to give your significant other a kiss, picture my face. Talk about it. I, Whoa. I mean, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm ruining the mood for you right there. No, 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 no. no. Listen, I, I will say this. I will say that there is one rule when it comes to Valentine's Day. Right? Everybody knows. It's universal. She better get something. I'm going to say this to you again, people. If she says, quote, I don't want anything, that is a surefire sign that she does. Don't... Don't get food. I don't care. It doesn't matter how you feel. Get her something nice. Now, my or you can take my daddy approach. You know, my daddy been doing it for you know my dad and my mom and dad been together for a long time. People, my dad gets my mom things that she hopes that he hopes that she don't want, aka something chocolatey, something sweet. And uh, you know, she'll be like, I ain't want no chocolate, and she'll say, You got some of the chocolate on your mouth. What? <laughs> you got some? So yeah, but hey, we got but the swag pack. If you do win that. You put a lot of pressure on yourself, uh, 2023, 2024. I'm just letting you know. Because you're talking about massages. You're talking about hotels. You're talking about, Kevin, you're talking about, you know, looking out at the beach. You can hear the waves. I'm just saying. Savannah, you know, I mean, you know, Jekyll, you better get right. You got that, like, a very, nice, nice, very nice package. You cannot mess it up. You, you, said you cannot. So we will we'll, we'll hear from some of our finalists, and we will pick a winner out of that group coming up here in just a little bit uh, on the show. But the Super Bowl is here. It is L.A. I keep wanting to say St. Louis. It is Cincinnati. I think you get a great storyline moment no matter which way it goes in this one because somebody is going to write an unbelievable story, whether it be Joe Burrow and the Bengals. You could have a very young head coach, uh, Ben and B.J., who wins the Super Bowl. So, I mean, people think, oh, well, Mahon- I mean, uh, Joe Burrow's only going to do it in a second year. I mean, same thing for Zach Taylor. I, 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 it's been a joke yesterday. You walk up to a bunch of people and say, hey, you know about Zach Taylor? Yeah, he played linebacker for the Dolphins. N- no. Incorrect. He could have a Super Bowl in a, what, two-year span uh, as a head coach, 
Or on the other side, you kind of get the Sean McVay. You were the up-and-comer. You had the, one of the, the, the great offensive minds people said in football, he scored three points in the Super Bowl. Matt Stafford, you've played your entire career, can't get in the playoffs hardly with Detroit. You finally get in, and now here you are in the Super Bowl with a chance to win it. So to me, it doesn't matter which way it goes, you're going to get a good story. But where are you at on the, you know, the excitement level for it? I know different Super Bowls have different flares to them. Where are you at with this one? It's interesting because you don't necessarily have uh, you know, the same names that we've seen time and time again with the quarterbacks. And for the longest time, it was literally the same yep. like, half dozen yep. or, or, or fewer quarterbacks. I think there is an excitement about, you know, regarding surrounding kind of the, the new storylines, right? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has suddenly become one of the one of the superstars of the National Football League. If he wins a Super Bowl, where does he rank? That question is already being asked. If he wins on Sunday, Monday morning, that's going to be the big question. Where does Joe Burrow rank? Is he top five? I, I, I mean, I think an argument is he top four. Might be, might be, might be, might be top two. Where he would be would be a leading. Wow, would be a leading storyline. Uh, you think about the potential. I always hesitate to use this word in in pro football, but. From a relative standpoint, a dynasty. I mean, Joe Burrow's not going anywhere. Jamar Chase isn't going anywhere. A lot of young talent. If they win, and I know we said it about the Chiefs, and you always say it when there's a team with a young quarterback, Pittsburgh, not long ago, do you do you look at Cincinnati and say the Bengals of all teams are going to be here for a while? And then, as we've discussed with the Rams, the superstar power, Hall of Fame players, guys that are the biggest and brightest stars in the sport. I think Matt Stafford plays his way into that Hall of Fame discussion with a win, but I want to see if you guys agree. The Rams may be the favorite. I think the excitement level around this Super Bowl is is largely focusing on Cincinnati. Do you agree? Of course it is. And and BJ, we have to we have to stop looking at this isn't a, this isn't the same old Bengals team we've grown up watching. And they've had some good teams. They've had I mean Andy Dalton, I mean for all, you know, it's not like he did a bad job when he was a starter. They just didn't win no playoff games. And they were consistently in the playoffs when he was there. Joe Burrow comes in, this guy, listen, I mean, like out of this world persona, every time he does anything now, they're showing him, you know, with the cigar. They're showing him, you know, having fun in the locker room. But what does he know about losing? Like, I understand what happened his rookie year, but that's because they didn't protect him. Every, every time he's been to the playoffs, he's won, going back to college, going back. Now, you, you look at this year. Now, I do think, BJ, you talk about how star-studded it is. You know, in the Rams side with Jalen Ramsey, Odell Beckham Jr., you're talking about Von Miller, you're talking about Aaron Donald, you're talking about Cooper Cup, you're talking about Sony Michelle, you're talking about Cam Akers, you're talking about Matthew Stafford, you're talking about Sean McVay, you're talking about Eric Weddle, you're talking about Raheem Morris, the former head coach of the Bucks, is the defensive coordinator for the Rams. But I think that's why you that's why Cincinnati is so intriguing. I know they got Hendrickson on defense. I know they got Eli Apple because he be talking trash. I don't know nobody else. I don't know nobody else on that Cincinnati defense. Now, Joe Burrow and company, people start saying to themselves, okay, because, BJ, we always do this. Just say both offenses are unstoppable on Sunday. You know, like Aaron Donald and them, they, you know, they just camping out. They just hoping whoever got the ball last. Who do you trust with the, who do you trust with the ball last? Do you, trust, do you trust a guy like Matthew Stafford? And, Kevin, hopefully they got the memo that you can't leave Cooper Cup open, one, you know, yeah. cover one-on-one. Or do you trust Joe Burrow? Because the, th- the fact of the matter is – Took one guy, like you said, his whole career to get here. And not only did it take him his whole career, he had to be with a star-studded cast around him. Other guy got a bunch of rookies on, on rookie contracts. Jamar Chase, rookie. T. Higgins, second year. You know, 
I'm just saying most of these guys are relatively very, very young. So I do think that, you know, for the league, I don't know if it would be good for the league if the Rams went out there and won only because, hey, man, you're going to start, well, look who they got. Like, you know, when LeBron win championship, they go, well, look who he has around. He got D-Wade, he got Chris Bosh, he got Kyrie, right? It can't be LeBron won it. Well, are we going to say that with Stafford? I mean, you got – they gave you Odell during the season. They gave you Von Miller during the season. They traded for Sony Michelle because Cam Makers got hurt during the season. So it's not like they ain't added – Robert Woods get hurt, they add Odell Beckham. I mean, I don't think it gets much better than that as far as, like, somebody you add. But I still think that's why Cincinnati is dangerous because Cincinnati is doing it with a bunch of young dudes who don't know nothing else. Listen, young and naive helps you out because it is a young man's game. But who's better for the league moving forward, BJ? Is it a Matthew Stafford who's – he still got some good years left, or is it a 20-something-year-old in his second year who's taking the NFL, really, the, the sports world by storm? Oh, I think I, I think Joe Burrow is captivating. And what he did at LSU was was captivating enough. I mean, let's not forget, Kevin, we're not that far removed from a conversation. Was he the quarterback of the best college football team ever? Maybe. An offense that was so unstoppable, he had seven passing touchdowns in the first half of a college football playoff game against Oklahoma in Atlanta. So I think I think Joe Burrow, for all the superstars uh, that play this sport, that are in this game, I think a lot of this focus, this spotlight for Sunday, is on Joe Burrow. I, I, I don't know. I still don't know. I think the spotlight's there because people know him because of what he's been thrown into. But, again, I don't know if he's in the same spot as a Matt Stafford who, again, this could be the defining moment of Matt Stafford's career. Joe Burrow... Got a lot of career left. It may not be the defining moment. I mean, obviously, you're going to sure, go no, back no, and no. say, I agree with that. but I think from Matt Stafford, this could be the defining moment of his career. You finally got there. They put players around you. Look what happened. I know you can say we had Calvin Johnson. Well, that's probably about all he had in some years. But you put a big cast around him. You still put up numbers, great numbers, and you get your team to the Super Bowl. I think this is, if I'm LA and I'm Matt Stafford, I'm thinking, this is my shot. This is my shot to do it because he knows. Uh, Joe Burrow don't know this. Again, you can say, well, Joe, Joe Burrow's only ever gotten in the postseason and had success. Matt Stafford knows. Dude, I've been in this league a long time, and we couldn't even get in the playoffs. And the one time we did, we were one and done. So a whole career never been able to do this. Now I'm in it, and I'm here at the Super Bowl. you got to take advantage of this opportunity. And I think that, to me, is why it plays more towards uh, you know Matt Stafford for me. Because, to, to me, we, we talk about... Hall of Fame, and is that line razor thin? I mean, we, we're debating it right now. If he wins the Super Bowl, I don't know that there is a debate. Nope. Fastest to 20,000, fastest to 30,000, put up the touchdown numbers. And then you go, oh, yeah, has a Super Bowl. Check. That's the box, right? That's the ma- If it's marginally close on the numbers, check. That's the box. That's the box you check. And I think that's why this is so big for legacies for guys like Matt Stafford who have been in this league, have mm-hmm. been great players, and most people think, Hey, Matt Stafford, man, he puts up a bunch of yards. He throws some picks, but he puts up a bunch of yards, a bunch of touchdowns. Yeah, but they never make it to the Super Bowl. So he's probably rate my top ten quarterbacks. Was he ever in the top ten when he was in Detroit? Oh, he threw a bunch of yards, but no, he's not Russ. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Tom Brady. He's not uh, – he's putting up the same kind of numbers, just couldn't get into postseason. Now he's there. I mean, th- again, I think you can't understand how big of a legacy changer that is for Matt Stafford if they win on Sunday. It is a legacy change. Look, last night they did the NFL honors, and obviously a lot of guys in the National Football League got honored. I mean, Andrew, uh, Andrew Whitworth got uh, the uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year, rightfully so, been, been such a great player for a lot of years. Uh, congratulations to the 2022 Hall of Fame inductees. We'll get to that later on in the show. 
But somebody said something that it, it, it bears a lot of truth. Aaron Rodgers won the MVP. Nobody's going to bat an eye. Aaron Rodgers and I have better numbers than they get Tom Brady, but they don't want to give it to Tom because they're trying to say, all right, he retired. Let's just leave that alone because we give it to him. MVP might have been Joe Burrow. Because the whole thing about it is you start saying the MVP is not just the best player you know, in the league. It could have been who meant the most to their team this year to propel them. I ain't never seen nothing like a guy like Joe Burrow. His numbers, obviously, ain't going to be as better as Aaron Rodgers. But at the same time, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers had to go to the NFL Awards because he was getting an award, and he is watching Joe Burrow. So when people start saying, why y'all be talking about legacy, if Joe Burrow wins on Sunday, he will have the same number of Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers. You have the same number. So, BJ, you, we asked the question, do you want the MVPs of the season or do you want the Super Bowl? Because I be trying to tell you. And so, in my mind, Joe Burrow will go out there and get it done. And I, I think the NFL would take the Rams because there's so many so many you know storylines, Aaron Donald, Odell Beckham. But they want Joe Burrow because it's good for ratings. It's good for the future. And we have another team like the Carolina Panthers now we have to watch because of a player <laughs> named Joe Burrow. <laughs> We ain't watched no. Carolina since, since Cam Newton left, and Cam Newton's back, and we still ain't watching. Yeah, I mean, Joe, I mean, Joe, like you said, I, I, from a league standpoint, yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. You want Joe Burrow to win? He's the, could be the poster boy of uh, of the league. Two years in, got a Super Bowl, highly marketable guy. I I I think he's got that cool factor uh, that 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 people talk about when you when you look at uh, who your superstars are. I think that would be very intriguing if if he gets it done. I don't think he can go wrong. Uh, either way, but again, we're going to get a new champion, which either way it goes, because there's no Brady, no Holmes, no Manning, no Rodgers, no Rossberg, none of those guys. It's Stafford and Joe Burrow. Ben mentioned the Hall of Fame. Uh, they did have those uh, in at least not inductions, but they announced who was going in last night, including a big time uh, announcement for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who, as BJ said, not a whole lot to be excited about. They got a lot to be excited about with that. We'll get to this uh, that next here on Three and Out, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We'll get to the uh, Super Bowl coming up here in just a uh, little bit. Also, Jason Fitz, Freddie Coleman, set to join us from ESPN Radio in the next thirty minutes or so here on the program. But as Ben mentioned, the NFL honors last night and uh, announcing some new guys headed to the Hall of Fame and a big honor for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tony Baselli. Uh, going into the Hall of Fame, and he is the first ever Jacksonville Jaguar. I think he was the first Jaguar in the Ring of Honor, or whatever they call the, is it the Pride of the Jaguar, whatever they call it uh, there at uh, in Jacksonville. He was the first guy to do that, and now the first Jacksonville Jaguar uh, in, the, in a lonely wing of the, the NFL Hall of Fame because he's the only one. For the Jacksonville Jaguars, been a great player, obviously. Yeah, you got to start. I, you know, you got to have the first, and I think this could open up uh, the door potentially for some other guys. But really happy for Tony Baselli, a well-deserved honor. You're talking about an offensive lineman that was on the NFL All-Decade team for the 1990s. Now, uh, probably could have had a longer career if not for injuries. A career cut short by injuries. Remember, he was the number one overall pick in the expansion draft. Uh, to the Houston Texans and then had uh, injury issues out west as well. But when he was right, he was as good as you will find uh, as an offensive tackle. Was the first pick of the Jaguars. Uh, ben, we were talking about this. I mean, played on some fantastic Jaguars teams. When you think about, uh, you know, normally expansion franchises come in and right away there's 
kind of a transition. It could take a couple of years before you're competitive, before you're consistent. That was not the case with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars were really good right away and were making runs towards the Super Bowl, uh, the AFC Championship game in the late 1990s. You think about Mark Brunel and those teams, and uh, Tony Baselli was a starting point for all of that, literally and figuratively. And I think a guy that anybody who played against him they will say, oh, yeah, Hall of Famer. And and I think when you have that validation, uh, you're talking about a multiple-time first-team All-Pro, uh, very difficult to do at tackle, of course, with the talent that's been at that position forever in the league. I think it's well-deserved honor. It's a big, uh, you know, look, that, that that's a big boost for the Jaguars when you think about the history, the tradition of the organization. Obviously, it has been a rough stretch for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and now uh, you can celebrate Tony Baselli's career all that he did, and uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are represented in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Leon Searcy, you know, he was talking about, he I mean, he said we, you know, he said we, we in Canton. And you think about a team like Jacksonville, uh, Kevin and uh, BJ, that needed some good publicity, right? You get a guy like, you know, Doug Peterson, and you be like, oh, now you got your first Hall of Famer. Tony Baselli is one of those guys to where his name always came up as to why it's taking so long. Like, it's hard to be, it's hard to be an impact player on an expansion team, and he was. Like, he was that good of a player. And I remember when the Texans first got added, and he's sitting there on stage, him and, uh, you know, Sharper, and I think I think uh, they drafted uh, Jabbar Gaffney in the second round, da- uh, David, Car- uh, David Carr, the number one overall pick. And it just seemed weird to see Tony Pacella just standing up there because you, he was so synonymous with the Jags. But it's something that the Hall of Fame gets it right. It's something that, they, they, you know, and they got it right last night. Tony Pacella, it was, I mean, long overdue. As you mentioned, BJ, first-team All-Pro it's one thing to do it, three, you know, multiple times on a team that was always scratching and clawing, and and BJ something we said does this pave the way for a potential Fred Taylor to make to maybe get denied because the hardest thing is to get that first guy. And you in. were breaking down some of his numbers uh, uh, on the board in the uh, in the production room, and they compare favorably to some other Hall of Fame running backs. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I know that sometimes I, I would think that I don't know if this is a rule when you become a Hall of Famer, you should be able to become a voter at that point, like at least get a vote. And Fred, when, listen, when I think of when I think of the Jags, the first guy I think of is Fred Taylor. Then I think Tony Baselli. Then I think Mark Brunel. Then I think uh, you know Keenan McCardell, Jimmy Smith, and some of these guys. I had the pleasure, if you want to call it that, of going up against these guys. But Tony Baselli is one of the best in the league, respected by everybody. He went up against I me mean, most tackles. If you are offered the tackle and you come through the you come through them Jacksonville hallways, they're gonna be showing pictures of Tony Baselli. Now he finally got enshrined. I was blessed enough to play with the Kevin Mawai. So those guys are very, very rare. But uh, congratulations to Tony Baselli. Congratulations to them Jags. Even even Shad Khan cannot mess this one up. You are welcome. I think the Jaguars. I needed some good publicity or continue with the good publicity. But yeah, Tony Baselli, a twenty twenty two Hall of Fame inductee. Yeah, and a uh, a guy that was just a lockdown. Uh, tackle and it, it's kind of funny, man. You, you think about certain guys, and it's funny. People say, "Oh no, you know all about this guy." BJ, it's true. Uh, people forget about uh, Tony Baselli. They think about it, and and honestly, you know, would say if you said, "Hey, remember when Tony Baselli was drafted by the Jags?" It's like, yeah, man, number one overall pick by the Jags. You're like, nope, he was number two overall uh, pick in in yeah, the, the, in the draft. Had yeah, the number one pick and, in the draft. But, but people year. don't remember that. Like, if you're Jacksonville, it's like, oh, Tony Baselli, number one overall pick. But he was he, the first ever pick of the Jaguars right. organization, but at number two right. overall. Right, and sometimes people forget that, but he was the number one pick in the expansion draft to uh, Houston. But a lot of times you hear people say oh, he was the first pick ever by the Jags, but people think he went number one overall, but he actually went number two overall. 
And you think about a young franchise. I mean, I know we we talk about kind of the credibility issues and what was the disastrous uh, coaching search and, you know, the, the, the Urban Meyer tenure, just a disaster. But you think about this franchise and uh, still a very young franchise. The mid-1990s is when you got started and you've had a couple of teams make it to the AFC Championship game. You've not quite been able to get to that Super Bowl. But I think Tony Baselli, when you think about building building a tradition, building a fan base, building a history, Ben, I've heard you say this time and time again, you have to build a culture, a culture of expectations, a culture of this is what the standard is. This is who helped set the standard. And Tony Baselli's been around the franchise, obviously he's done, done media, various roles, but I think he's one of the guys now when you become a Jacksonville Jaguar and you say, okay, what's kind of the idea here? The idea here, you want to be like, Tony Baselli, you want to be like Fred Taylor. You want to be like Jimmy Smith. You want to be like Keenan McCardell and John Henderson and Mark Brunel and 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 all these guys, uh, Rasheen Mathis and Daryl Smith. You want to be like all these guys. And Tony Baselli is one of those standards you can point to and say, not only is he one of the one of the greats, again, 1990s NFL All-Decade team, he is in the Hall of Fame. And this is how you add to the tradition of a young organization. This is how you help kind of add to the the standard that is uh, anticipated, expected, and must be lived up to within the building. And you don't change a culture overnight. You've talked about that, Ben. But I think Tony Baselli, one of those guys that came in and said, we want to win right away. We want to play at a high level. This is what it takes. And I think Jacksonville can point to a guy like Tony Baselli, who's in the Hall of Fame now, as kind of what what the Jaguars hope to be. Yeah, and for, and for those of you thinking that uh, this uh, you know story tradition of the AFC South has a lot of Hall of Famers in it. I mean, the Colts, I mean, that's a different story. You're talking about, you talk about uh, Marvin Harrison. You talk about Peyton Manning and so on and so forth. When you talk about, when you talk about uh, the Titans, the Titans only have two. I mean, they got Bruce Matthews, and obviously they got Kevin Mawai, right? The Texans don't have one yet because I think Andre Johnson is going to be coming up. Tony Baselli, because when people think, well, why is that significant with Tony Baselli? Eddie George is not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Steve McNair is not in the Hall of Fame. Now, both of those guys definitely got a shot to be in, but that just shows you how good of a player he was to get in before. The, and, I, and I hate to compare one player to another because one position don't really got nothing to do with the next. We talk about Fred Taylor. Well, Fred Taylor didn't have to – Fred Taylor, look at some of them runs. A lot of them going to the left. Why? Go behind old Tony Baselli. I mean, play in, <laughs> play out. And another thing, too, is BJ, and I, they wouldn't do this, but I would say arguably the greatest duo of running backs. You had some great ones, and you had – you know, Jonathan Stewart, you know, uh, D'Angelo uh, Williams, you had um, you had uh, uh, Chris Johnson and Lindale White. I would put, I would say the best I've ever seen, Fred T. and Amari John Drew. I ain't never seen nothing like them two dudes. I'm, I, and, and once again, I had the pleasure of playing against both of those guys. So I am happy for Tony Baselli because I will say, the NFL Hall of Fame to me is probably the most prestigious because it's so hard to get in. I mean, fifth through guys on the team – you talking about how do I stand out? But hey, man, t- Tony B, man, congratulations. That's forever. I mean, no yeah. matter how they feel about you, you were trying forever. And a guy that has been synonymous with Jacksonville virtually his entire career and post career has still been involved there with the Jacksonville Jaguars. We've got more to come here on Three and Out. Jason Fitz will join us coming up in about 15 minutes with ESP Radio. Freddie Coleman, top of our number two. And we'll talk in Super Bowl with both of those gentlemen. We've got one more uncommon and unfinished book giveaway. To do, we'll do that when we come back. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along here on three and out on this Friday, Kevin, BJ, and Ben. Glad to have you along here on the show. Some breaking news that will certainly affect 
Uh, Georgia Southern here. Uh, BJ and Ben, as of this afternoon, Southern Miss, Marshall, and Old Dominion say they will leave Conference USA as of June 30th, 2022. What does that mean? Oh, they'll be in the Sun Belt in the fall? Not necessarily. They have, they said the conference being uh, Conference USA has refused to meet with Southern Miss, Old Dominion, and Marshall about leaving and what that would require. And so according to uh, Chris Vanini of The Athletic, he said uh, they've already accepted the invitation to the Sun Belt, but this isn't an announcement about joining that yet. It's an announcement of a breakup. These schools say Conference USA won't even sit down and negotiate an early exit, so they're leaving and let the lawyers figure it out. So there you go. So maybe the Sun Belt going up to 14 here, and uh, they'll let the, the lawyers hash out what that means monetarily. But, again, a little more clarity for uh, the Sun Belt, who, again, had James Madison already say they were going to be in for the fall, even without the ability to compete for a championship and joining in. And now it looks like the three others will be in potentially in time for football. Yeah, wow. I uh, have to wait and see what's next. Sounds kind of like baseball. Are we going to let the lawyers <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, talk about it and discuss it? But I think I think uh, these additions to the Sunbelt Conference are going to make the league you know, stronger, more balanced, better depth. Uh, you think about the future of the Sunbelt, I think it's very, very exciting. But I guess some uncertainty, yeah. at least in terms of when the new affiliation will start with uh, with Southern Miss well, and Marshall well, there. Basically, you read all the uh, all the, uh, the the word is from the, the – they're like – they just refer to it as the conference. The conference refuses to negotiate with the university, I guess, on a buyout or early leaving. So we're just leaving, and y'all can t- y'all can figure out with it. That's what I mean, you that's, want why, to. that's why you got lawyers on retainer. I yeah. guess. Like, look, I mean, and for those and for those who uh, something BJ said, you're seeing the theme here, right? You know, these these are the conference don't like the fact that you're leaving us high and dry. We're not leaving you high and dry, man. Look, we're trying to be a part of. Yeah, the they said we out. told you we were leaving. Yeah, we, we told you we was leaving. But it is somebody. Said, I don't care what you said. I don't care about the CCD mail. I don't like it. Well, listen, I don't want to sit here and go back and forth with you. So I'm gonna let you talk to the guys with the suits on. We'll see you in the Sun Belt. Yeah, so it's gonna be very interesting to see how that plays out. But did want to hit that here quickly before we get to Jason Fitz coming up in just a little bit, fellas. We have one more. We've made it. To, we said we're going to give it all the way up through the Super Bowl. We have one more uncommon and unfinished. The Ben Troop story book to give away. He signed copy. Been a lot of fun doing this giveaway. I know Ben and BJ, you guys have gotten a lot of positive feedback about the book. And we've had a lot of fun giving away those copies. But we got one more to give away. 912-342-7184. Be caller 4. I would say like caller 84, but that would just take all day. Call <laughs> that four. might take a while. Yeah, caller 4 right now. 912-342-7184. You will win a copy of Ben's book, signed, Uncommon, and Unfinished. You can do that. But we had a lot of fun doing it here throughout the last, what, two months. Yeah, a whole lot of fun. And uh, listen, uh, congratulations to all the winners. Um, I've seen people <laughs> I've seen people out and about. Like, hey, man, the phone lines. Ben, I tried to call it. I said, listen, we, we are not showing favoritism, but it has been a lot of fun uh, to be able to, uh, you know, uh, give out uh, signed copies of my book, Uncommon, Unfinished, uh, you know, being restored with B.J. Bennett. You know, uh, 912-342-7184, you will get a signed copy of my new book. And as we mentioned, uh, after this Sunday, we'll, we'll see it. We'll pick it up again. But, yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking to what I said yes. Super Bowl, uh, through the Super Bowl. So, yes, 912-342-7184, uh, you will get a signed copy of Uncommon Unfinished, the Ben Troop Story with BJ Ben. And, again, if you haven't won, bentroop84.com, you can go purchase one there. 912-342-7184, call now, call it for going to get a copy of Ben's book will come back. Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, will join us next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. 
Good to have you here on this Friday, Kevin BJ and Ben, as we get ready for the Super Bowl coming up this weekend in Los Angeles, Rams and Bengals. And joining us here uh, to talk about it, he is the co-host of Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Jason Fitz joins us here on 3 and Out. Jason, welcome to the show. How are you? Man, I'm doing great. How y'all doing? Hey, we're doing fantastic. Uh, man, what, what's kind of your vibe about this uh, Super Bowl? I know we don't have the Brady Mahomes or, you know, a, a Rodgers in there, but you have... Two pretty interesting stories at quarterback to get things started. Yeah, I think that that's part of what makes this Super Bowl interesting is that it isn't the same. You know, that we're not getting the same stories, that we don't necessarily have the same heroes and villains we've gotten used to. And also, that we're looking at two teams that are built so differently. Like, uh, how many years do we all hear you build great football teams in the trenches? And then I sat there last year before the NFL draft screaming that the Bengals should take Panay Sewell the offensive lineman, instead of Jamar Chase. And now I look like an absolute moron because it's worked out for him. And then on the other side of it, you've got the Rams playing real football like it's essentially, you know, they're playing like it's Madden in franchise mode. They're just out there uh, getting rid of everything for the future. They don't care. They're trying to win a Super Bowl right now. So I think for a lot of fans, even if you're not fans of these teams, you're looking at two teams that have built it a different way and trying to get it done. Like, I think there's a lot of inspiration there for all football fans. Jason, in terms of the Bengals, uh, a lot of young talent, obviously, Joe Burrow. Were they even on your radar at all as a potential team capable of winning a playoff game back in the preseason? No, I mean, I, I thought that the Bengals might be competing for a wild card best-case scenario, but I'm the first to admit that's because I am a massive fan-child of Joe Burrow. And so, like, you know, for me, covering college football so much for ESPN – you know, I was standing on the sidelines for the SEC championship game. He won for the national championship game. He won, and you looked at it and you thought, man, some guys are different. And when you've got that guy, and I don't think that comes very often. Like, a lot of fan bases now are looking at Joe Burrow and saying, all we need is to find our Joe Burrow in this year's draft. Well, Kenny Pickett's not Joe Burrow, right? Like, Malik Willis is not Joe Burrow. So, like, you know, I think there was something special about him from the outset, but I don't think any of us could have anticipated this from them. And, and way they put this together and the fact that they look like they're going to be good for a decade. I mean, this is hiring. Hey, Jason, I mean, with a guy like Joe Burrow, obviously hasn't never lost in the playoffs going back this time at LSU. You look at what he's doing for the Cincinnati franchise. If he does indeed, you know, win the Super Bowl on Sunday, is he already the new face of the National Football League, taking nothing away from Aaron Rodgers and guys like Russell? I mean, I mean, guys like, uh, you know, uh, you, talk, you talk about Russell Wilson and different guys, but could he already be potentially the face of the league if he does win on Sunday? Oh, God, yeah. If you start thinking about what that means, like I, I guarantee you Joe Burrow wins the Super Bowl on Sunday. There will be a first-take topic on ESPN Monday about who would you rather have, Burrow or Mahomes, for the next several years. Like That's going to happen. Like that, That's the inevitability of this. The only thing I would caution everybody on is like, and, and you know this from playing in the league, right? Like, you got to start to think about what it means right now for this future of all of these franchises. You got Lamar that's still young. You got Mahomes that's young. You got Josh Allen that's young. You got Joe Burrow that's young. Right now, Justin Herbert, I'll throw into that conversation. You got a whole stack of young quarterbacks in the AFC. They're going to spend the next decade beating up on each other. So they all have a chance to be the face of the league. But man, I, I think it's going to be really difficult for sustained success for most of them because there are so many young quarterbacks that can play their tails off. And, Jason, on the other side, you got the quarterback that kind of has always been in the shadows because he was on a team that was not good. Uh, but we talked about on the show, what, fastest to 10,000, fastest to 20,000 yards, but he just never could get in the playoffs because Detroit was was so bad. What kind of like come up for Matt Stafford would this be if he gets a Super Bowl dub 
with the Rams. I mean, this this says everything about the Lions. It adds to the continual Megatron, Barry Sanders, oh, my God, how did you waste that, you know? And then I also think, y'all, there's like a very inspiring message for every fan base of a team that has a top 12-ish quarterback. Like, Matt Stafford, when he's great, is one of the best. There's no doubt about it. But we watched him sort of, to your point, just waste away in Detroit. And then all of a sudden you put him with great talent, with great coaching, in a great situation, and now he's sitting in the Super Bowl. And, you know, we turned everything into I have to have the next Mahomes to get there. And and while that's working for Cincinnati, I think Stafford's also proved positive that you can have a quarterback, and it's a reminder that you can have a, a really good quarterback that still needs to be surrounded by really good talent. And when you have that, you can win it all, and, and that so Stafford becomes inspiration for everybody. Matt Stafford has about 50,000 passing yards, I think. You would assume he has a few more years left. If he wins a Super Bowl, are we talking about a Hall of Fame resume? I don't think so. You know, only to me, when I think Hall of Fame, I think, and, and you know, most people know that listen to ESPN, like I grew up a Raiders fan, right? And growing up a Raiders fan, you would look at your schedule and you'd see the Broncos. And it didn't matter if the Broncos were any good or not. I knew that John Elway was going to make me cry twice a year. And there's times that you could look at it and say, you know what, we're playing the Steelers. You're not beating Big Ben. Like, you can look at all of these different quarterbacks. Like, you look at the Colts, and you knew that if you were taking on Manning, you had a problem. I don't feel like we've spent a generation looking at it saying, wow, how are you going to beat Matt Stafford? And to me, that's what Hall of Fame means. Like, Hall of Fame means something – to that level of everybody towers a little bit with fear and respect to the guy that you know can beat you no matter what that team looks like. And while Stafford, I think, has has had an incredible career, and I think the tip of the hat to the way he's played the game, for me, Hall of Fame is still something bigger than that. I know it's a big, uh, lot of great uh, storylines in his uh, Super Bowl. Is there is there one greater than Odell Beckham Jr. When you think about how he started off his career with the Giants, kind of fizzled off when he went to Cleveland, and this resurrection he's he's doing right now uh, with the Rams. I mean, he, I don't think it's going to mean he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. But what does it do for his reputation if he does win the Super Bowl on Sunday? Yeah, I think a bunch of us owe him an apology, and, and, and let's just be real about it. Like we've decided because of the personality that we see on the outside that. There's a, a, a teammate issue, and I had the chance to talk to Robert Woods about it on Spain and Fitz a couple of nights ago. And, you know, I asked him flat out, who was OBJ as a, a teammate? And he said, man, the first day he came in, he stood up in front of all of us and asked us to accept him. He wanted to be part of something here, and he does all the little things. He does all the blocking that that offense requires for the Rams that a lot of wide receivers don't want to do. He puts in the extra work. He grinds. He's real. He relates to everybody. And I keep looking at that thinking, man, we've spent so much time judging what we think or who we think Odell Beckham Jr. is. And then you look at the proof in the, the, the pudding here, like, and they are in the situation they're in partially because he's quickly become such an impactful player for the Rams. I think this changes the entire conversation about OBJ. And I think, again, a bunch of us need to step up and be like, hey, maybe we read this one wrong. Jason Fitz uh, joining us here, co-host of Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. We've talked a lot about the, the players on the field. Talk about just the, the dichotomy there in this coaching matchup. Obviously, Sean McVay was kind of deemed the next golden child rock star uh, head football coach. They score three when he gets to the Super Bowl. He's now back. And on the other side, I mean, if you pulled Joe Average on the street and said, who is Zach Taylor, how many would know he's the head coach of the Bengals? Yeah, well, and you're right about that. And, you know, I, I talked to the Cincinnati ESPN Radio affiliate a lot and about midway through the season. They were asking me if Zach Taylor should be fired. And, you know, you, you think about 
what's happened the back half of the season for the Bengals, and it, it's uh, nothing short of incredible the way they've been able to come together. I still look at a, a, bang, or a, a 49ers team that was in the heads of the Rams for how long, right? And it felt like as a result, McVay and the Rams felt tight in that last game against San Francisco. I can excuse that, but now you're really looking. This becomes a prove-it moment. I think there's a ton more pressure on McVay here than anybody else because if you want to use the cooking analogies I love, He's got a basket stacked full of the best ingredients you could ever ask for when he opens up the basket and chops, right? Like, all he's got to do is not screw it up because he's got the players. There's no doubt about that. He's got the buy-in. He's got the facility. He's got everything you could ever ask for for a coach to have to win a Super Bowl. And he's been here before, so he should know how to handle the moment. We can forgive if Zach Taylor has a little bit of a hiccup here because there is so much that's new to it. But McVay's got to take advantage of it right now, and I don't think that's unfair considering everything he's got in his corner. Winning in Tennessee, winning at Kansas City, is there a magic to this young Bengals team? And, and if so, how do you how do you kind of quantify or explain it? Yeah, I think there's two magical things about the Bengals. One is Joe Burrow and the fact that, you know, certain guys just their, their pulse reads different, like nothing, nothing affects him. But the other side of it, and I think the under talked about portion of it, look at the playoff run. The game against the Raiders ended with an interception on the goal line. If you look at the next game, Tannehill makes a regrettable throw that's an interception that turns out to be the difference maker in this game. And then go to the AFC Championship game, and you've got Kansas City's season ends on an interception. This is a Bengals team that when you make unforced errors, defensively they take advantage of it. And whereas we've seen against the Rams, we saw the 49ers drop a couple of easy interceptions right there. This Bengals defense has not done that. This Bengals defense has held up when they've needed to hold up. They've gotten enough pressure to force some decisions to be made. And then when the wrong decisions are made, they've taken advantage of it. And I think we've undersold because they don't have the same level of we get after the passer the way the Rams do. And because they don't have the same level of brand power, we've undersold a little bit of what this defense is capable of. I think it's a huge part of why they're sitting here right now. I mean, Matthew Stafford is responsible for the two greatest, uh, you know, the two greatest uh, regular season uh, passing, uh, you know, uh, games. I guess like during you talk about Megatron and Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, though. I mean, the Triple Crown winner. I mean, you talk about you know uh, receiving yards, touchdowns, receptions. Why in the world, Jason has these defensive coordinators? I figured out you cannot cover this man one on one. Yeah, that's that's what I can't. You know, and that's where the X factor in this game comes because. If you are the Bengals, you're going to lean in everything towards trying to slow down Cooper Cup. But when you do that, boy, you are leaving Odell Beckham Jr. there to just feast, right? And I think everybody's been a little bit afraid of that. But you've got to, at some point, at least try and take portions of that away. And that's one of the biggest differences between the two offenses because I've watched Steve Higgins drop in the playoffs so far. He's had a couple of nice moments, but he's had some really forgettable moments as well. And I'm looking at T. Higgins and saying, man, if you had stepped up this year and if T. Higgins was a better player today, then it would be impossible for anybody to bracket Jamar Chase the way they want to. But realistically, that's the biggest difference offensively in this game to me is that one side has Cooper Cup, who can't be covered, and Odell Beckham Jr., who's going to make you pay if you try. And the other side's only got Jamar Chase. That's going to be a huge part of the offense here. Uh, Jason, i got about 15 seconds. Who are we talking about on Monday as the Super Bowl champs? Uh, I think the Bengals win the Super Bowl in a close one, but I think Aaron Donald's the MVP with a historic performance like we've never seen. Oh, wow, that'll be something to talk about. Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio co-host of Spain and Fitz, our guest. Appreciate the time, Jason. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great week. Will do. Jason Fitz joining us here on 3 and Out. We'll come back. Freddie Coleman going to join us uh, with ESPN Radio. We'll get his thoughts 
So we got one for the Cincinnati. Where will Freddie Coleman go? We'll ask him when we come back. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We're streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. Welcome back. It's three and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin, BJ, and Ben. Hour number two. A lot to get to here this hour. Franklin Stevens, former Ware County head football coach, uh, will join us. Now the head coach at McEachern High School. He was the head coach of Ernest Jones there when he was at Ware County High School before he headed off to South Carolina. And then, of course, now with the L.A. Rams, and will be the starting linebacker in the Super Bowl for the Rams. Also, Jermichael Finley set to join us coming up here this hour as well. Super Bowl winning uh, tight end with the Green Bay Packers. So uh, we'll look to get to all that here in a very busy hour number two. And then the top of the final hour, we're going to give away our big Valentine's Day gift pack with the two-night stay at the Western Jekyll Island and the uh, the spa package there from Milan Day Spa on Broughton. Catherine Garrido from Milan Day Spa, she will join us. And we have our finalists. They've read, they've told us a little bit about how they met their significant other, and Catherine will pick a winner right here on the show. So looking forward to that coming up in the final hour of the program. But we're efforting Freddie Coleman right now. Hope to have him here in just a little bit. But uh, Jason Fitz, say, hey, man, I like Cincinnati. We'll get to our picks later in the show, but... Joe Burrow, as he said, huge, unquantifiable what it would mean for the league if he wins and you have that young guy who is now, is it, is it Burrow or Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? Are you, what, what camp are you in uh, moving forward? But I think a lot of that depends as to get that ring on the finger. Oh, of course, but you do have just, just an incredible list of young quarterbacks in the league. I mean, Mahomes, Jackson, Burrow, Kyler Murray, where's he going to be? Uh, next season potentially, but I think it's it's exciting to think about the talent at the quarterback position. But Burrow, as Jason Fitz said, there's kind of a magic to him, right? In the moment, you're 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 on the road at Tennessee, the one seed. They have uh, you know a week off. They're they're well rested and ready for you. And what happens? You come out when you have to have it late. It's Joe Burrow making plays. You're playing Kansas City and a Pat Mahomes led team that is as dynamic as any we can remember. You're down three scores early, Ben. Three scores on the road. Rallies them back. you got to have it late. Overtime. Oh, my goodness. You lose the coin flip. Finds a way to get it done. I know you played with, you know, you think about guys like like Rex Grossman or Chris Leak. You think about, uh, you know, Steve McNair, obviously. I mean, when you have quarterbacks that are superstars, how does that, it seems to elevate and inspire and uplift and encourage everybody around the quarterback because of what they can do. That 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 that's the uh, that's football one on one. When you got the best quarterback, uh, you know, uh, on the team, you got one of the best quarterbacks in the world, and usually your best quarterback is better than the guy across the field. That gives you a different level of confidence because he can do what you cannot coach. I mean, you go back to the Kansas City game, and some sometimes, I mean, uh, you know, Joe Burrow had to improvise. Chris Jones and those guys got home. Frank Clark and those guys got home, but he was able to improvise. And that's one thing that's not being talked about enough about Joe Burrow. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Russell Wilson, not Cam Newton, but he got legs. So, and I think sometimes too, you know, BJ and Kevin, you got to have that. Who do you think you are, mentality? Who you think you're supposed to be? I'm sorry. Why am I? Why am I supposed to be this humble guy because I play for the Bengals? No, bump that. Humble is probably the reason why we've been in the position we've been in. But yes, I'm not saying you got to be arrogant. I'm not saying you got to be cocky. I'm I'm saying that people are not supposed to be able to tell the difference. Is that the same dude that be smoking the cigars? Is that the dude that be wearing little crazy little jackets and the chains? Yeah, but he hasn't. <laughs> but he hasn't gotten beat either. And the, you know the moxie. You know you hear about the the things. And the thing about Joe Burrow is, like you said, BJ, he ain't beating no slouches. 
If Kansas City was in the Super Bowl right now, people would be losing their mind. They're going against it. Well, guess what? I beat Kansas City twice. I could have. That made me a believer. The win in Tennessee, again, I, I you know, if you would have told me that would have happened beforehand, I could have believed you. To, to win the way they did in Kansas City, to be down three scores, to come back in overtime when you lose the coin flip, all odds against you, all the metrics, all the predictive models not happening. You find a way to do it. You beat Pat Mahomes in KC. That made me a believer in these guys. Every Superman has a kryptonite, right? If you are, if you are, uh, if you are Tom Brady, who was his kryptonite? Eli Manning. He could be. He could. He did not beat Eli Manning in the big games twice in the Super Bowl. I mean, for Patrick Mahomes, it might be Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow is saying, "Look, man, I see what it takes to get it done, and I admire what you do." But when people get to talking about you, they ain't talking about me. They're talking about you. It's like if a person has, uh, you know, fifty fights and they won forty nine of them. Well, we ain't talking about the guy that beat me. No, that's no that would that would be that would be uh that would that would be forty nine to two because he got beat twice by a young guy who's not supposed to be doing this. Well, let's talk about what Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry. When did Kansas City become a powerhouse all of a sudden? Oh, since Patrick Mahomes has been there, because we wasn't talking about them either, right? But Pat Mahomes got to say that's Kansas City. That's Kansas City. Joe Burrow just has that thing, BJ and Kevin. That's you know the type of guy you want to play play with, the type of guy you do not want to play against, and the type of guy you want to see play. I think I think he I think he wins on all fronts. But if he went on Sunday and look who he do it against, he's saying, "What's up, Jalen? What's up, Aaron? What's up? What's up, Vaughn? What's up, Eric?" That would make this extra legendary, right? I mean, I mean but 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 the, but the thing about it is, look at what he does. He'll say, "Hey, man, how you gonna deal with that crowd?" He said, "Oh, man, I played I played at Alabama. I played against Auburn. I mean, the crowds are much louder than the SEC." He's letting people know, "I've done this before," and I just think that when you look at what Joe Burrow can can potentially become, people say, "Well, he might not come back again." And Aaron Rodgers only went to one, and no one says a word. Aaron Rodgers have went to one Super Bowl. Now, I know he got a bunch of MVPs, one behind Peyton Manning, but uh, like I say again, Kevin and BJ, what would you rather have? A bunch of regular season MVP? We got the MVP. Or do you want to be playing in the Super Duper? You want the guy that's getting you to the Super Duper Bowl, and if and if Joe Burrow does it in year two, before he even get big-time free agents that want to come play with him, before Jamar Chase, even the game even slow down to T. Higgins, you know, and, and board those guys, I'm telling you, this Cincinnati team could be scary moving forward. Yeah, and again, I, I've been and I, you are, we've talked a lot this week about being in this moment, and people like to chalk it up of, oh, Pat Mahomes is going to win four or five Super Bowls. Can he catch Brady? People were saying this kind of stuff. And he lost last year, uh, didn't make it this year. And you hear a lot of people saying that if Cincinnati wins this year, oh, man, they could be that team that rattles off two or three Super Bowls over the next five or six years. And I'm, I, I just get wary of people. This is the National Football League. Uh, what Tom Brady did doesn't happen. Peyton Manning might be, from a quarterbacking standpoint, the best pure, straight, knowledgeable quarterback to ever play. He won two. Eli Manning, who was a good quarterback, maybe not the best mechanically ever to do it, he also got two. Everybody's favorite quarterback, Joe Flacco. He's got rings. Right? I mean, so it's like... You can't ever chalk it up as to, to, to how it's going to work out. And I feel like people are doing that. It's like, oh, if Joe Burrow is, I mean, man, it's going to be a couple, two, three rings for Cincinnati. Like, all of a sudden, a franchise who has been a doormat is going to become a dynasty in the NFL. I, I mean, I think it would be an awesome story. I, let's not chalk up dynastic talk just yet. No, I do agree with that. And, you know, you've seen some talk on social media. Oh, could Mahomes or Burrow come close to Tom Brady? And like you said, Tom Brady made the unrealistic 
uh, realistic, the impossible possible. And I think until proven otherwise, that is such a far off standard that it's not even fair to speculate. It's not even fair. I mean, Joe Burrow, this will be his first Super Bowl. Tom Brady went to 10. Mm-hmm. Went to 10. Or no, 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah 10. Yeah, 10. 10 and, one, and one seven. And one seven. So I think to even throw that out, I, Kevin, I think you make a valid point because it is natural, right? It's easy for us to look at a quarterback and kind of play the logic game. Wait, he's 25. A lot of the guys on his team, they're young. They just made it. They're going to get back. You can never you can never chalk that up. I mean, after Atlanta, I hate to bring this up, but Uh-oh. after Atlanta lost to New England, you Haven't looked around. Back. You looked around and thought, man, you have Matt Ryan, you have Julio Jones, you have Devonta Freeman. You know, you have you're gonna you're gonna be in the mix. This team's not going anywhere, and it's hard to duplicate success. It's hard to duplicate. I'm not gonna say luck, but the ball bouncing in your favor. It's hard to do things like go to Kansas City and overcome a three score deficit. It's hard to do things like give up nine sacks and find a way to win. So I do think. For all of the who's the next Brady talk, and that's natural with Brady retiring. Let's not do that. I agree. That's let let let's not go there. Because you can't listen. You cannot copy respect. You you just can't. And the thing about Joe Burrow, he's making the, he's making everybody respect this game. And in the process of respecting his game, he's making you respect this team. In the process of respecting his team, he's putting the league on notice. Because look at the division he's in. Right, this is the AFC North: Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and unfortunately, you got the Cleveland Browns. Right? You got some really, really good questions. Lamar Jackson already won a regular season MVP. Joe Burrow is showing you what really matters in the league. I know we're going to get defensive player of the year. You're going to get comeback player. One comeback player of the year, by the way, Joe Burrow over Dak Prescott. But he's saying, hey, man, I want to be one of the last teams uh, standing. And people say, but you play for Cincinnati. And? You know they don't win, right? No, they didn't win before I got here. Because guess what? Neither did Kansas City before Joe Burrow got there. Neither did Seattle before Russell Wilson got there. It's like a lot of teams were not winning until you put certain pieces over there. But guess what? They're not, but guess what? When people say, hey, man, why ain't Russell Wilson in that same conversation? Because since the Legion of Boom, since Marshawn Lynch, have you seen Seattle win the Super Duper? No. Joe Burrow didn't need a Legion of Boom. I don't even know who his DBs are outside of Eli Apple. He didn't need this dynamic running game. He got Zach Taylor, who when people were saying, hey, man, is Zach Taylor any, uh, any relation you know, to Jason Taylor? That would be a no. <laughs> but, at the end, but at the end of the day, he's doing it his way. He's saying, look, man, I'm going to win with the guys I came with. These are the guys we got. Let's go out there and do it. They said it. Hey, man, Penny Sue or Jamar Chase? Give him Jamar. What did Jamar do? Most, the rookie of the year. most people, like, like, like Jason Fitz said, thought Sewell was the right pick. When you think about the iconic career he had at Oregon, what, like not giving up a sack? And, of course, Chase had a record-setting iconic career too. But most people thought, much like with the draft this year with Evan Neal, Uh it's okay, you just got your quarterback, draft the left tackle to protect him. And a lot of people said, we love Chase. Chase is amazing. Mm -hmm. But should we have our quarterback? We have to get the left tackle. The Bengals went in the other direction. And with all due respect to Sewell, that that's been the right call. Yeah, and 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 that's why you got that's why you got to trust your scouting department. You know, you got to trust your eye test. I mean, I, look, look, I'm a fan of the left tackle. That is not what I'm saying. Who's going to impact the game more? Get the ball. Listen, left tackle. They left tackle been bad all year. He's bad right now, and he in the Super Bowl. All I am saying is, you got to be you build you build around your quarterback. And if and if the last time they say, man, who's the guy that we know that got a rapport with uh with Jamar? I mean uh, with Joe Jamar. Jamar hadn't played a whole year. Think about that. He missed a whole year of football. He is the offensive rookie of the year over Mac Jones and those guys. Other guys were worthy of it. So 
All I'm going to say is this. Cincinnati is built for this moment because Joe Burrow is built for the moment. I've been on a team to where I didn't feel as though I was ready. So, you know what? Somebody grabbed me by the arm. Boy, come on, because you with us. Listen, if you don't – listen, listen. If they don't know you ain't fit for this moment, it is not your job to show them. Some of them guys from Cincinnati, they don't know how to handle this. They don't talk trash for real. When I think of Cincinnati, I think of the old coach of Cleveland. Hey, you do that crap in Cincinnati? This is Cleveland. I'm just saying, Boomer Esiason got tired of being, I don't know, the greatest quarterback in Cincinnati history that didn't win the Super Duper. Joe Burrow saying, hey, man, I ain't won, I ain't won MVP, which if you really look at it, was anybody more valuable to their team than me? No. So I think if Joe Burrow does go out there and get it done, Zach Taylor, I mean, you get to right a lot of wrongs, man, because I think what happens is, Chad Ochocinco, T.J. Hushmanzada, Carson Palmer, Rudy Johnson, uh, you know, different guys that came, Carlos Dunlap, and all these great players that came through. T.O. T.O. played for freaking Cincinnati. None of them got a super duper. I'm telling you, if that sideline ain't star-studded with former bagels, you fake. Because you ain't got nothing else to do. You ain't got nowhere else to be. You, and if you don't make the list, well, <laughs> I'm sorry, because that <laughs> list is going to be pretty long. But I, I'm happy for them bagels regardless of what happened on Sunday. We've got more to come here this hour. A lot to get to. Franklin Stevens, former Ware County head coach, one of his former players, Ernest Jones, going to be starting at linebacker for the Rams in the Super Bowl. Also, Jermichael Finley, former Texas tight end, Super Bowl winning uh, champion with the Green Bay Packers. He'll join us this hour as well. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back. It's three and out on this Friday. Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. So much to get to as we count you down towards the uh, Super Bowl, and uh, certainly on Super Bowl Sunday for the Rams, you'll see one South Georgia product, Ernest Jones, out there playing linebacker for the L.A. Rams. Joining us here, his former head coach there at Ware County Gator, now the head coach at McEachern High School, Franklin Stevens, joins us here on 3 and Out. Uh, Franklin, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Uh, doing fantastic. It, it's got to be nice and rewarding as a coach. Obviously, you see guys leave your program and go to play college at the next level, but then to see them excel and now find themselves uh, in the Super Bowl, it's got to be rewarding to see a guy like Ernest Jones from when you probably knew him when he was trying to figure out his way at uh, at Weir County High School to now uh, he's playing in the Super Bowl. I mean, yes, it's exciting. Uh, I talked with somebody the other day, and I just told him, I said, you know, when – when you're dealing with those kids when they're in high school, you get them as eighth graders, and then they kind of grow into uh, that high school kid when they uh, sign scholarships and move on to college and get an opportunity to play in college. You're excited. And then for Ernest, who was fighting last year, uh, when he finally got drafted, and then, you know, to get an opportunity to kind of see a guy play on Sunday. So uh, I know he's been very excited from talking to him over the, uh, through the course of the season. But, uh, you know, as, as a former football coach, uh, I'm excited that he's getting an opportunity that, most boys dream about. Coach, when you think back to uh, Ernest's career, what, what stands out most? Well, I thought I used to call him Coach Jones when he played for me just because his intelligence on the football field was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that's really kind of helped him through the years is just that, you know, he's a very intelligent football player. He knows what everybody's supposed to be doing. He's going to study the game. Uh, you know, and I – when he was being recruited, I told a lot of colleges that I was like, this, this guy's a football player. You know, sometimes they get into those measurables. But at the same time, when it came to being a playmaker and being able to play the game and know what's going on in the game, uh, he's one of the best I've seen do it. And, Coach, I mean, uh, you say you got a chance to talk to him, like, during the season. I mean, most of the time uh, when it comes to – 
your high school coach, nobody's more impactful on a player than your high school coach because you guys really pour into him. I mean, what were the, what was those conversations like during the season, especially with him going from you know, I mean, uh, you know, uh, the nine one two. You talk about you talk about a uh, Columbia. Now he's out there in Los Angeles. Had to be some somewhat of a culture shock for him. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, we kind of talked about it, you know, the different things of being a pro. And, uh, you know, really, uh, it's just always been, you know, doing the good things. Make sure you study. Make sure you, you know, pay attention. You know, you're a grown man now. And now, you know, understanding about being, a, you know, a pro, that's how people take care of their families. Uh, it's the same way you want to take care of your family. So you just want to do a good job in everything that you do. And the thing about the NFL, don't forget it's a business. And at the end of it, you got to treat it like it's a business. And make sure that you always give back to your community. And certainly uh, with the Super Bowl coming, I know Ernest coming off of uh, of injury kind of timed it up at the right time where he was able to come back here in time for uh, for the Super Bowl and late in the playoffs and make a uh, make a big impact. Uh, obviously, you have to go through the struggles, but obviously, well worth it when you're coming back at the right time and potentially could uh, help your team win the Lombardi Trophy. Yeah, I think it worked out great for him. I mean, you know, he's very disappointed because he was playing very well before he got injured. And I remember sitting there watching the game when he kind of got hurt, and I went, oh, shoot. And you just you never know from an ankle, uh, from an ankle perspective. I think he had, you know, you're in the NFL, he had some type of surgery, and uh, he's back. And, uh, you know, the organization has been pretty lucky that they got to the NFC Championship, won the NFC Championship. So now what it's done is given him an opportunity to get back in place. Coach, what's it what's it take for a student athlete to not only go to a program in the SEC like South Carolina, but a couple of years after that, make it to the National Football League? <laughs> I think one, it takes genetics to get you to the and uh, get you to the SEC because of the fact that you know if Ernest is five ten, five eleven, he probably doesn't get that opportunity in the SEC. But because he's a six one, six two kid, he, he got an opportunity. Uh, so genetics is going to be one of the first things, and then they've got to make plays. Uh, you know, guys have got guys have got to make plays and get on film. And once they start making plays, they've got the genetics, they've got the academics that gives them that SEC chance. Uh, then after that, you know, if you get in the SEC and you're balling in the SEC, then you're going to have a chance probably to get in count with somebody, possibly get drafted or something along those lines, and. That's kind of what kind of what Ernest did. And coach, man, what are those conversations like with your, you know, uh, with, with players you have now? I mean, every coach would obviously ho- love to have a player that goes on to play big time college football. Obviously, make it to the National Football League, be in the Super Bowl. But sometimes, you know, when you be able to say, "I mean, this is an example of a young man." Who bought into the coaches? Who bought into the scheme? Who bought into what we was telling him? And this, you know, could, you know, obviously he's one of the lucky ones, one of the blessed ones. But this is what could potentially happen. Uh, yes, and uh, you're right. Uh, you know, even today, uh, I'll bring his pitch up, and uh, I actually sent it to a reporter today. But if you look at his eighth grade, well, actually his ninth grade pitcher, and what he could grow into once he got to South Carolina as a sophomore is unbelievable. I mean, if you look at him, he had the baby face. He was a little kid that you wouldn't have thought much of. And that's, you know, you don't you don't give up on kids because you just never know how they're going to fill out. But, you know, he's one of those kids who uh, earnestly worked. And like I say, he, he kind of he did the right things. Uh, he was coming out of his sophomore year. I remember having a conversation with his mama that he needed to gain 20, 25 pounds 
And she was like, well, I'll, I'll take care of that. And, and she took care of me. You know, he comes back the next year. He's 25, almost 30 pounds heavier, which gives him a chance to be uh, a Division One kid. You know, if he comes back 6'1", 175 pounds, you know, we may not be having this conversation, but he came back 6'1", 205, 210 pounds and, and, and played his butt off. So I think that, you know, kids such as Ernest, you know, coming out of Waycross, Georgia, it gives, uh, you know, a lot of guys hope that, you know, it's an opportunity for everybody. It just kind of, like I said, depends on genetics, you know, blessing by the good Lord, uh, making plays, academics, all those things go into it. And, Coach, I mean, Waycross, Georgia, Los Angeles, California, Columbia, South Carolina, you know, you talk about having the relationship with his mom, telling him, look, I need him to gain some weight. Mama said, I, I can handle that. South Georgia, they can, they can cook in South Georgia, me being a South Georgia boy myself. But I just think that what, is it, what does it mean to you? Though? I, know, I know what you've done, done for him as a coach, but you never know what a player's going to become. I mean, every coach hopes for the best for their players. But when you get an Ernest Jones, and that's forever, no matter how his career ends up, which we hope is great, what does it mean to you knowing that, look, man, this – I remember this kid, eighth, ninth grade year. Now they go, he's going to be a starter in the National Football League in the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, it was in a situation of you know when he was in ninth or tenth grade saying that, but as an eleventh grader, I thought that he had a chance to play in the SEC. And if he had a chance to play in the SEC, then he has a chance to go pro. So when he was in eleventh grade after this eleventh grade season, it started the recruiting cycle started and got kind of intense for him you realize at that point in time the potential is there just because, like I said, when you start looking at the size, and if you can play defense in the SEC, guess what? You've got a chance to get to the league. And, you know, the NFL will find you, but in the NFL, I mean, you know, the SEC is a little bit different. I'm, I'm, I'm probably biased to it since we're in the Southern Conference, but, you know, just playing in that conference week in and week out, and we used to have those conversations, you know, you're not going to see anything much different in the NFL than you're seeing in the SEC every week. And if you can handle your own in the SEC, and I think at one point in time, maybe his sophomore year, uh, at some point he was leading the SEC in tackling. So, you know, the the physical makeup was there. And as I said earlier, the intelligence is there. And I can say, you know, that's the thing when we kind of, we kind of talk about it. You know, I got an opportunity. I was fortunate that I talked to the Rams last year by him before the draft. And, you know, one of the things I told him is just, the homework that Ernest would do on film. I mean, you know, he was amazing as a high school kid and knowing what everybody did, knowing what the offense, having an idea what the offense was going to do. He just had instincts, and then along with that instincts, he put the work in to know it. So, you know, even when he got to South Carolina, we would kind of, you know, when he come back, we would bring him in, put him on the board. All right, what are y'all doing at South Carolina now? You know, that's what high school coaches want to know. They want to know what's going on with colleges. And, you know, he could get on the board and kind of go through stuff not kind of, he could go through stuff that they were doing in college. A lot of kids can't do that. So, you know, based on the physical makeup, the work ethic, the intelligence, that he was going to have a chance. It was just all about whether he's going to get in the right spot and whether or not it's going to work out for him. And, he's and in obviously a, it has. I was going to say, obviously he's in a great spot right now with a chance to play for a Super Bowl on Sunday. Franklin Stevens joining us here on 3 and Out. Coach, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. All right, thank you, and I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Franklin Stevens joining us here on three and out, uh, former head coach at Ware County with uh, Ernest Jones, who left Ware County to go to South Carolina and now with the Rams playing for a Super Bowl on Sunday. A great story and just a South Georgia connection for you to pay attention to there on Super Bowl Sunday. We'll come back. Jermichael Finley set to join us next here on three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along here on this Friday. Kevin Thomas, B.J. Bennett, Ben Troop, glad you're with us. We are efforting Jermichael Finley, former Texas 
and Green Bay Packers tight end. Got a Super Bowl win with the Green Bay Packers. Looking to chat with him here on 3 and Out. So hopefully we'll track him down here in just a little bit. Also coming up top of the final hour of the show, we're going to give away our Valentine's Day package. Where we'll have a two-night stay at the Westin Jekyll Island, and we will give away that package to the Milan Day Spa there on Broaden. We'll chat with Catherine Garrido about that. We have our finalists. They've all told us how they met their significant other uh, as well, and we will let Catherine decide who has the best kind of how I met your significant other story. I didn't say how I met your mother, but they may not have children, so who knows. That being said, as we effort Jermichael Finley Super Bowl coming up, always fun to do uh, some of these prop bets. The Super Bowl, one of the uh, highest bet events out there. Ben, you said Cooper Cup cannot be stopped, cannot be contained. Over under eight and a half catches by Cooper Cup in the Super Bowl. Oh, oh I'm going to go over. I mean, eight and a half? I mean, some of them, some of them's going to be like quick passes. All of them don't got to be down the field, get the ball to him. You're not going to stop him all day. He's the one. He's the engine that makes that offense go, so I will go over eight and a half. I think I'll go over, too. I think this is going to be a back-and-forth, kind of a lot of opportunity, a lot of plays, a lot of snaps type game. Uh, and listen, if you're Cincinnati, you know, when you match up with with L.A. defensively, you know you have Jalen Ramsey there. I, I don't know that you have somebody quite at that level on the other side, so I think Cup and, and Odell will get touches. I'll go over. All right. What about what will happen first in the game? A sack or a touchdown? I think somebody made huge and, and money that year. The, you can the, make, the Seahawks made did, the Broncos. They hiked it over uh, Peyton's head, and like the first score was a safety, and somebody made huge jack so on that. Just, it's just either or you get you yes. lose your money, double it, or what? How does it? What how happens does it work? first? A sack or a touchdown? It's minus one fifteen. So what is that? You bet a hundred dollars to win one hundred and fifteen dollars. Can I explain gambling to BJ real quick? Uh, did so did I say it wrong? I'm ready. So typically, what they'll do with something is they'll say. Hey, if this is the more likely scenario to happen, is they'll make you spend a whole lot more to make your hundred dollars back. So you could have to spend eight hundred dollars to make a hundred. But if you think if you're like certain that that's going to happen, then you feel like that's a guaranteed hundred dollars. Right. So if they're saying a sack is the more likely thing, like what's what are the odds? They're both have? the same. It's I'm minus one fifteen. Yeah. That's where the fifteen comes into play, though. Is the the you know they're always making their money. So it's more say, likely. Uh, yeah. So sack or touchdown, and, and it's and it's and it's the same odds. Uh, I will say, I will say a touchdown. I, I think it depends on play. who gets the yeah. ball first. Because if it's the Bengals, <laughs> the then Bengals you can certainly first. see a sack. You gonna go with the uh, gonna go with the sack? We'll get to more uh, Super Bowl prop bets coming up in just a little bit. But we have found Jermichael uh, Finley here on the program as he uh, joined us here on Three and Out. Jermichael, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, how are you doing, man? I'm awesome, man. Hey, we appreciate you coming on. Obviously, it's Super Bowl week. Uh, I know you picked up one there with uh, with Green Bay. What is the experience like just to be able to say, because you have two franchises, a lot of players who are trying to get their first one to be able to say, I have a Super Bowl ring to my credit. Oh, man, it's, it's one of those experiences where that uh, when, you, when you get there, you got to seize the moment and you got to, you know what I mean, embrace it and take it all in. What what traits do all Super Bowl teams have, Jermichael? I mean, yes, talent, experience, obviously, but what must you do if you're going to win it all in the National Football League? Man, at, at, you got to gel. You know, I mean, you got you got to be uh, on one accord. Um, you you, you got to be. You know, what I mean, in sync, and and that's. You know, I mean, as you've seen right now, the stats of the Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals, um, the stats kind of equal. You know what I mean? Once you get to this point, as far as the Super Bowl, 
you have to um, kind of you kind of that offense, defense, everything's got to be pretty much equal and uh, to make it a fair game. Jermichael, I mean, you was a guy that obviously could stretch the field your time with the Green Bay Packers. I remember you when you were there. When you look at the tight end position now and how crazy it has become. So much talk about these receivers going into this game, and rightfully so. Could it could it come down to who has a better game at the tight end position to decide who comes down to win this thing on Sunday? Uh, I, I think so, man. It's two teams where uh, both teams got um, a, a legit receiver. Uh, both teams have, have a legit running back, and the only thing they're missing is uh, is a consistent tight end that can spread the middle of the field and and, and make and make it a play action game. So uh, I'm pretty excited about what's going on right now, uh, especially in the Super Bowl game. Jamarco, I mean, you being a guy that you know, obviously you were hurt um, during, during that uh, during that Super Bowl run, but you still had a lot to do with it. I mean, what what are the, what are the uh, what is the mood of the team? I mean, because this is something that is very very rare. People play 10, 15 years, never even make the playoffs. What is the mood of the team man, getting ready for a game like the Super Bowl? Oh man, and like I said, it's um, it's kind of one of those things where you gotta not ignore family and not ignore friends, but you you got to get in your own space. You got to get in your own uh, atmosphere and make and make it uh, about you that day. And uh, once again, it's a dream come true if you can if you can go out and get the Lombardi Trophy. Yeah, it seems like uh, Cincinnati's been that team that's kind of caught lightning in a bottle here uh, with Joe Burrow. Very close. They got an interception late against uh, the Titans. Got an interception late, obviously against Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh, you could say uh, play here or there, and maybe Cincinnati's not here, but they are, and they seem to be riding that wave of why not us here. Yeah, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, the, the best team may win, and all the hoopla, all the the um, hype, and all the things that go into the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl week, um, the only thing that matters is the, the final score, and whoever, whoever gets that, um, that Lombardi trophy at the end, uh, you know what I mean? It should, should be the guys that get the hoopla. But at the end of the day, Super Bowl is all hype, and uh, once you come to the conclusion of the week, uh, that's that's who wins it. What impresses you the most uh, when you watch Joe Burrow, still a very young quarterback, obviously? Uh, He's got the swagger. That's one thing he's got. Uh, He's uh, he's one of those guys where you you love to play for him. He's got the quarterback. He's got that quarterback swagger. Uh, He gets along with pretty much – what I see, everybody, and, uh, man, I bet he's an exciting quarterback to play with. And, Jermichael, man, I mean, switching gears a little bit, I mean, you you uh, I mean, you played for UT, and that's Texas uh, for you Tennessee fans. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, when you talk about branding and where college football is going, Texas is obviously coming over to the SEC. How big, how big of an NIL deal could you think you have gotten with your time at Texas, and what type of NIL deals you think them guys at Texas potentially can get down the line? Um, uh, probably, probably can go through the roof just being in Texas. Um, Texas being a big market and the big state, and uh, the the slogan speaks for itself. The eyes of Texas are upon you. So, uh, no telling what 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 um, I could have got the time and man, what these guys can get right now. Um, man, they can go through the roof with it only if they capitalize right and, and go a, a, about their business the right way. And that's what I'm concerned about is these young guys going about their business the right way. I was going to say, uh, Jermichael, is, is that the, the next kind of phase of watching this thing play out is not who's getting paid, but how do how do these college students handle the fact where now you see guys saying, not necessarily worried about 
my NFL career potentially. I'm worried about my NIL money, how I can utilize that so when I, I get done, I've got money in the bank and I'm worried where I can capitalize right now, not necessarily even worried about whether you play all that much or even get to the next level. Yeah, and that's the thing, man. Uh, uh, you, you get taken care of early and 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 do things like the NIL deals and, and get paid and get millions of dollars and things like that. So you, you lose interest in going to reach your, your peak and your final destination. That's the NFL. And I think guys are going to lose, um, lose hope of that, especially if they get an NIL deal. Texas is coming over into the SEC. I mean, I think that'll impact name, image, likeness. Obviously, Texas is as big of a brand as there is. What are your thoughts on the Longhorns joining the SEC? I think it'd be good, uh, especially this year. We recruited well. We've done well. Uh, we went out and got the, the transfer, the portal. We went out in the portal and done well. So I think Texas football um, possibly can be back this year. Jermichael, man, I played with I played with Vince Young. I played with Bo Scaife. I played with Michael Griffin. I know about you know you guys down there, Texas y'all. What it, man? What is it about them Texas Longhorns, man? I, we understand swag. We understand the rep, the rep. But what is it about y'all, y'all Texas boys, man? Man, it's just um, you know, I mean, you 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 come in, especially uh, coming to Texas is I, my opinion. I think they're so maker for football, and this is what football was invented. But at the end of the day, it's just like. We come in, especially under Mac Brown. Um, he's he expected a lot at the time, and so I think um, the the university and the organization needs to get back there to where we loving the game again. All right, Jermichael, man. I mean, two big time teams this uh, this Sunday. I mean, great storylines: Matthew Stafford, Joe, you know, Joe Burrow, Cincinnati, you know, uh, L.A. At the end of this thing, man, who comes home with that Lombardi Trophy? I'm going Joe Burrow just because he. You know what I mean, uh, he, he done it at every level. He done it at, uh, you know what I mean, college level, um, doing well at the NFL level as far as, like, you know what I mean, kind of embracing all the, the hoopla and the glory he's getting. So I'm, I'm taking Joe Burrow. Jermichael Finley joining us here on 3 and Out. Jermichael, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you, guys, man. Y'all be blessed down there. Will do. Jermichael Finley joining us here on 3 and Out. Man, and starting to pick up some – Steam for Joe Burrow here on a Friday. We'll get to our picks coming up in the final hour of the show. But uh, that's a couple of folks coming on saying, look, really like Joe Burrow and a Cincinnati Bengals coming up on Super Bowl Sunday. Where are you leaning, Ben? Listen, BJ, I try to stay right there in the middle and not get too high, too low. He's going to keep us waiting. (laughs) He's going to keep us waiting. We'll get to it coming up in the final hour of the show. This is 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Love to hear from you on Twitter as well, at Pigskin Radio. We're streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com. Good to have you back here, 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you are making us a part of your day. Coming up top of next hour, we have our big Valentine's Day giveaway, so stick around for that. We've had some, uh, some finalists who have told us the wonderful story of how they met their significant other, and we will... Have uh, Catherine Greedo of Milan Day Spa and Broughton help us pick a winner of our great Valentine's Day prize. Two nights stay there on uh, the West End at Jekyll Island and a wonderful spa package there with the Milan Day Spa on Broughton. So she will join us coming up at the uh, the top of next hour. But uh, guys, uh, obviously Super Bowl coming up this weekend, but we got a little basketball uh, locally to get to uh, coming up tonight. Benedict and New Hampstead, kind of a de facto regular season championship game before they get into the region tournament uh, coming up uh, next week, but should be a good one tonight. It was a two-point overtime win 
the first time they met for BC. So it should be a wonderful basketball game tonight. And I'll have the call here on the radio starting at around 730. I was going to say uh, uh, a uh, just classic the first time oh, these yeah, two absolutely. met. But enjoyed listening to uh, Benedict and watching uh, PJ and Cam as well uh, with the high school basketball coverage. What's what's the key for for Benedictine, when are they when are they at their best in your mind covering them as you have? Uh, you know, I, I think uh, defensively done really good. They uh, again don't have a lot of height, but they rebound the ball uh, tremendously well, and they are very patient on offense. I think when they are patient and don't necessarily get an up down game, they tend to do a little better. Now, last game out, uh, they had a lot of uh, success with uh, with the press and were able to get a lot of turnovers. Uh, but I think just their patience on offense is they they will sit there and work until they get a good look. And sometimes, Ben, as you know. Guys don't want to play defense for 30, 40. I mean, there's no shot clock in Georgia High School. So they don't want to play defense for 30, 40, 50 seconds uh, while you're trying to figure out a good look. So I think sometimes they wear you down and then end up getting uh, a a shot that uh, maybe you thought they shouldn't uh, because they're simply waiting for you to make a mistake. And so once they do that, uh, and the times I've seen them, they've really been able to uh, put the pressure on you uh, to do some things offensively because if they get a lead and they're very methodical in the offensive end at times, uh, you know, They'll, they'll lull you to sleep, jump into that press, and all of a sudden that three, four-point lead becomes 8-10. You're going, what just happened? Well, so you, you're talking about press. You're talking about patience. You're talking about fundamentals. You're talking about, okay, what well, we well, we lack in height, we make up in defense, we make up in tenacity, and if we get a lead, put a stranglehold on you. That sounds like, sound like Benedict in football, too. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying when you think about what they was able to do. But, hey, you got you to gotta work with what got you there. Now, at the end of the day, listen, we want to have more points than the other team. Should be a good one tonight. Certainly. So looking forward to that. And, again, we'll have the game on ESPNCoastal.com as well. And our YouTube page, PJ Zuko Camersary, we'll have that for you coming up uh, as part of our ESPN High School game day on the basketball side. So you get the radio broadcast uh, and a webcast for you uh, there as well for the ball game tonight. So that's coming up. Should be a fun one. But we got a lot to get to coming up. We'll have our picks in the final hour. Where You asked Bill oh where he boy. was leading. Oh boy. Where are you leading? I'm just hoping to do a better job. I mean, I mean, that's where I am. I've been truly terrible in the NFL playoffs. Now, now during the college football season, I thought I did okay. I thought I did pretty good, and and depends on the format we use, right? Are we picking straight up? Are we picking with the spread? I think that can impact it, but I have been truly horrible, like awful uh, here in the NFL postseason, so I do not feel good. I think I know where Ben might go. I don't know. You know, you've been kind of close to the vest. I don't, I, I don't know with you, but I don't know if you should trust our picks or not. I guess we'll have to see. Don't don't say don't trust them. I just say they when I say I've picked poorly, it usually goes the other way and I'll end up getting some right. But no, the NFL playoffs for you and I especially, uh, BJ, have been well, not a good effort. I'll just I'll just put it that is that a nice way of saying it? Yeah, you say not awesome. Yeah, not, not le- awesome. less than an awesome effort uh on our end trying to pick these games. But we will pick the Super Bowl coming up in the final hour of uh the program as well. And again, a week ago, Ben, you and I were talking about uh, Brian Harson is he still going to be coach? He is, but I think Auburn maybe this Friday saying, okay, yeah, he's still the coach. So it took a week to get to this point. We'll talk about that coming up in the final hour of the program as well. But when we come back, we're going to give away our Valentine's Day uh, giveaway. Going to be a lot of fun. I'm interested to hear some of these exciting stories uh, coming up in just a little bit. So much more to come in our number three. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We are streaming live as well, ESPNCoastal.com. You can also catch us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. One more hour to go until we get fully into Super Bowl weekend. And we'll count you down to that when we come back here three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, BJ Bennett, final hour of the show. We'll get to our Super Bowl picks 
coming up in just a little bit. Of course, the big game coming up on Sunday between the Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. And then, fellas, what happens right after Super Bowl Sunday? This year we have Valentine's Day right around uh, Monday. So you got to go from the Super Bowl right into Valentine's Day as well. And uh, here to join us on the program to help help us uh Spread a little cheer this Valentine's Day uh, to help us with our big Valentine's Day giveaway from the Lamont Day Spot there on Broughton. Catherine Garrido joins us here on 3 Now. Catherine, welcome. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Happy Friday. Hey, we are glad it's Friday getting ready for the Super Bowl. Of course, Valentine's Day coming up on Monday. Tell folks a little bit about what you guys do there at the Milan Day Spot. So if you have some guys here on a Friday who are thinking, man, I was so excited about the Super Bowl. I forgot it was uh, Valentine's Day on Monday. How could they uh, get in, get get something? What do you guys do that they can uh, obviously get uh, for their significant other? So, yeah. So, um, they could come on down to the spa. We have packages. We have gift cards. Um, we have champagne, chocolate-covered strawberries. We have couples massages, facials, manicures, pedicures, anything and everything that they would want to do. I mean, uh, if somebody want to uh, just get some of them chocolate covers, strawberries, <laughs> just for themselves, like, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, like, uh, do, do, do they come in an assortment of, what, six, 12? <laughs> How many do they come in an assortment of? For you, we can do whatever you would like. But, no, we can do whatever assortment that anyone would like to do. They are amazing. Chocolate covered strawberries from the Candy Kitchen here in Savannah. Awesome. So we are going to we're going to have a, a giveaway here, uh, Catherine. And what we are going to do, we've had folks call in, and they have told us we have a, a list of finalists. They have told us how they met their significant other. We are going to play that. I, I was going to say, Christian kept this for. I have not heard some of these. Ben, you're going to be listening to them with us, and then at the end, we're going to have you select the best one, and they will be our winner. How about that? That sounds amazing. All right, so. We're going to break these down. Christian's kind of giving me some insight, but I don't know who's who or what happened. So our first one comes from uh, from Andrew Cox, and here's his story that he shared with us for for Valentine's Day. Okay. Okay, yeah. Um, actually, how I met my spouse was um, back in 96, the summer of 96. She was on vacation, and... Um, her cousin lived in my neighborhood. She was on summer vacation here in Georgia from Louisiana. And her cousin was coming over to my house, and me and a friend of mine were playing football in the front yard. And um, as they walked up, you know, I, I didn't know who she was. Never met her before. But I, I yelled from about 50 yards away. I said, <laughs> the actual words, I said, hey, Miss Thang, do you know how to play football? <laughs> And she kind of shook her head no, and I said, well, catch the ball and run. And when I threw it at her, um, she didn't catch it. And when she bent over to pick it up, I was already in a full stride, and I literally tackled her in my front yard. And, you know, got up, you know, helped her up, said sorry about that. And um, that was it. That's how I met her. We started dating that summer of 96. Um, I had just turned 17. She was 16, and we were married in 2007. So we've been together, you know, almost 15 years, but been, you know, a, a couple now for 26 years almost. Wow. So, hey, what do you think about that, that story there, Catherine? 
That's amazing. Congrats. That's really, really nice story. Oh, I'm telling you, I don't know if I could be that smooth. Hey there, Miss Thing. Do you know how to play football? <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, listen, hey. The, the word, the word, the words don't don't. Do, what's in your head don't really uh, be matching what's coming out your mouth sometimes. Hey, that. So, uh, what a great story though. Just on a random chance encounter, and then married uh, for for all those years. So that's uh, Andrew. Keep that in the back of your mind there, uh, Catherine. As uh, Andrew tells his story, now we go to our next finalist. Uh, it's David Miller. He shares with us his story. Okay. I, I met my lovely wife uh, 26 years ago on a sidewalk at St. Pete, Florida. Um, I worked at the landscape company. Between her and me, she was at the daycare and been together ever since. And um, ups and downs, but why this would be a real good prize for my wife is uh, November both of our um, cards got hacked. Two different accounts got hacked the same week. Devastated Christmas. We have a special needs child. Um, so our birthday, December 2nd, was uh, a no-go for us. Uh, Christmas was, um, it was rescued because of great friends that I have and took care of my son. And I just think, um, for her putting up with me for 26 years and then going through what we had to go through through the holidays, she deserves a nice break. She's a good mom, great wife, and um, deserves something nice that I cannot give her at this moment. Wow. Wow, two really good stories to start off uh, the, the contest. Catherine, man, a lot of chance encounters, and again, obviously – would mean a lot to uh, to David and his wife uh, to win the prize. That's amazing. I love that story. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's uh, so we got David and Andrew in in the bag. Let's go. John Curry was our next finalist. Let's hear his story, uh, shall we? Well, I was 11 years old. It was 1981, and my best friend and I were playing Dungeons and Dragons, and she lived directly behind him, and she was the most beautiful beautiful girl I'd ever seen. Way out of my league. Flash forward a couple of years, we end up going to the same youth group at church together. Still way out of my league. Tenth grade, she comes to school where I was going to high school. But she left country A and, and went to Calvary. and Still way out of my league. Ended up dating one of my best friends all through high school and college. So we ended up becoming really good friends. Um, I ran away after high school and started working in restaurants and traveled all over the country. I moved back to Savannah in 2010, and literally my first full day back was a Tuesday, and I ran into her out by my sister's house at Dutch Island, and uh, we went out the following Saturday, and we've been together ever since. So we've been together for 12 years, almost 13 years now, and met her when I was 11, became best friends with her at 15 and 16, and fell in love at 40. Wow, that's a, that is uh, one of those, hey, we were friends. I thought she was out of my league. And then all those years later, just happened to run back into her. And then they get married. I mean, so I'm, that's a, I'm, I'm intrigued by all these stories. Any, any thoughts on that one, Catherine? I'm intrigued, too. I really believe in fate, definitely. I we, like that story a lot. We've had two kind of fate-filled stories here early yep. on where it's like somebody walking down the sidewalk and then, hey, a re a recounted love. Let's go to our next one. We got uh, Larry uh, Mullins, one of our finalists. Let's hear Larry's story here. 
I met her actually in Target, believe it or not. I was shopping, and she was on the same aisle I was, and eyes met, and after that, it was over with. Uh, seven years. She's the hardest-working woman I know. Wow, love, love at Target. And Christian, I tell you what, you love is everywhere. Even at, even at again at the, at, the, at the dollar spot. At Target. Yeah, I, I've never had that counter where with with my wife it wasn't. We locked eyes and that was it. It, it took a minute. Uh, for, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just I'm just saying. What it was t- your pickup line? <laughs> so uh, there's uh, there's Larry. Let's go to our our next finalist here in our Valentine's Day giveaway. Uh, Randy, uh, Gerald, Randy. Let's hear Randy's story here on Three and Out. Started off, I'm a, like I would tell everybody, I was not on a date. I was out to the movies with another girl, and my wife was working at the movie theater. So, like, when we turned the corner to go to the concession stand, me and her locked eyes. And uh, we got up to the concession stand, and we kind of had small talk a little bit. Then we went into the movie theater, and I came out and got brought up to the popcorn and started talking to her. And then I came out again before the movie was over and got our number. Because I told her, I was like, I'm not here with this girl on a date. Like, we're just friends. And we talked that night and talked like four hours that night. And, and here it is. We've been married for 18 years. We've been together for 23. So that's how we met. I mean, it's too romantic, but it was kind of funny coincidence that it was like love at first sight. And there he goes. Love at the movie theater. Ben, love over popcorn. I mean, he, he, I mean, back then, I mean, popcorn actually cost popcorn prices. I bet you, I bet you wouldn't be saying that now if he was going to the movies. That popcorn cost a crap. I'm just saying, hey, look, at the end of the day, love is love. Whether it's Target, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, you're talking about being able to, you know, what the football situation. Uh, I love the one where you, I think the one that had the special needs kid and whatever, uh, being able to say, listen, I want to be able to give her something I can't give her. So, Listen, Catherine, you the one yep. got to uh, make this decision. Uh, better you than me, but that's uh, some great stories. So that was Randy. We got one more to go, and then, uh, Catherine, we're going to uh, get the the winner here. This is Robert uh, Cressman, uh, our last finalist here. Let's hear Robert's uh, story, how he met his significant other. My Christine, close to 14 years ago, our, our paths crossed at a UFC fight, and it didn't take me long to realize I met my match. From cowboy boots to cocktail dress, whiskey to wine she's fine regardless of where we dine no nagging only bragging guys you know what i'm talking about she's the diamond in my rough enough we deserve this stuff (laughs) there you go so met at a ufc fight so we we have literally run the gamut from met at target met at ufc fighting met at the movies all kind of uh kind of wild stories so we had let me say what Six really good Valentine's kind of stories here, Catherine. Let's re- I'll run them back down for you. Okay. A- Andrew, uh, of course, threw the football, ended up, threw it to his wife. David met his wife in, uh, in St. Petersburg, chance to count right on the sidewalk. John uh, went away, came back all those years later, met his wife at 40 years old from, uh, from a childhood friend. Larry met his wife at Target. Randy met his wife at the movie theaters. And Robert met his wife at the UFC fight. So we had a lot of ranging stories there. Which one, after you've heard them all, do you feel like most deserving of our Valentine's Day giveaway this year? 
I think I have to go with story number three. John, John the, the, where he, we were childhood friends, dated his yes. best friend, left, came yes. back and found love at 40? Totally, totally. I really believe in fate. I really believe if you're meant to be together, you're going to be together whether you're 15 or whether you're 40 years old. Wow. I love that yeah, that, is, that was a tremendous story. So congratulations to John Curry. He is going to be the winner. Again, Catherine, for all the rest of us who obviously did not win, how can we get in touch with you guys there at the, the Milan Day Spa to, uh, to hook our significant others up? Guys, we are open from 10 till 6. We open seven days a week. It's two more days till Valentine's Day. We have packages on the website. We have gift cards. Come on in and see us, and we will definitely take care of you. Absolutely. Uh, Catherine, thank you so much, and thank you to Milan Day Spa for being a part of uh, this giveaway, a great place there. And uh, congratulations to John. Thank you for helping us out here on this Friday. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And, uh, again, congratulations to John Curry. Great story. I, I will say this. We had six, six folks, all tremendous, tremendous stories. We'll come back. We'll chat with Freddie Coleman, Super Bowl. He joins us next here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, 3 and Out, on this Friday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben as we get ready for the Super Bowl upcoming this weekend. And uh, joining us here, he is the co-host of Freddie and Fitzsimmons here on ESPN Radio. Freddie Coleman joining us here on 3 and Out. Freddie, welcome. How are you? I'm good, gentlemen. How's everybody doing today in beautiful Savannah, Georgia? Hey, we are doing fantastic. Getting ready for a, uh, a Super Bowl that's featuring no Tom Brady, no Aaron Rodgers, no Pat Mahomes, so we're going to get somebody new. That's what we're always clamoring for, right? It's not the same old guys, same old teams doing it. We get Stafford and Burrow and the Rams and Bengals uh, doing it. What's your kind of thought on the, the lead-up and the hype uh, as we head into this Super Bowl? I'm going to trampoline off of what you just said because usually when you get new in a championship situation, a lot of people may not want to tune in. We've seen that in the World Series and Major League Baseball and at times in the NBA Finals. But this is completely different, and it shows the power of the National Football League that in two weeks, Joe Burrow has become that kind of star that he's become the biggest star in Super Bowl 56, which is saying something. you got Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, and also Odell Beckham Jr. is a part of this football game. So even though it's a new, a lot of people have gotten familiar with that new with Joe Flacco, excuse me, with Joe Burrow, because he has the game to go with his sudden fame and also the swag that he's bringing to the table. Freddie, what impresses you the most about Joe Burrow? I mean, still a relatively young quarterback, an organization that has not had a lot of success historically. What stands out to you when you watch him? The one thing that stands out to me, other than his toughness, and I knew he was a pretty tough guy anyway, but just the way that everybody elevates their play around him. It's not just him making those plays, and he's the only guy doing it. We've seen the defense make those adjustments in the second half versus Kansas City and step up their game compared to the week before as well, and they did that to Tennessee, forcing three interceptions against Ryan Tannehill. It seems that whenever he does something, even if it's a little thing, it infuses that team with energy. That's not just an offensive thing. It winds up going to the special teams. Evan McPherson has been undefeated in terms of kicking and making field goals so far in this playoff run, and the defense making those kind of adjustments. That's the one thing that's really impressed me about him, is that his leadership has taken effect on Cincinnati, and he has not even played, when you think about it, guys, 30 regular season games in the National Football League. 
And Freddie, you talk about a, you talk about the fact that a guy like Joe Burrow has never lost, has never ever lost in the playoffs. Going back this time at LSU, you look at what he's doing right now for the Cincinnati Bengals team. No more Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers just won a Super Bowl MVP last night in NFL honors. Are we seeing a change of the guards with a guy who this is his first full season as a starter? He's looking at everybody else, and I've already beat Patrick Mahomes twice, and I'm putting the NFL on notice. This ain't the, this ain't your old Bengals. Well, he's part of the changing of the guard as well because you think about all the the guys you just mentioned, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, but also you have Josh Allen with the Buffalo Bills, what he's been able to do. Can't forget about Lamar Jackson. I know he's injured for the Baltimore Ravens, but that guy's a former MVP in the National Football League. you got Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers, and he's only going to get better and better, in my opinion, with that team. So Joe Burrow has become that changing of the guard when you go from the old heads and the old guys when it's Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and even you can put Matthew Stafford in in that category. We're in a golden age of quarterbacks where you have the old, the middle age, and the young guys, and all those guys are playing extremely well for their football teams. Freddie Coleman joining us here on 3 and Out. Freddie, we talked about the rise of Joe Burrow, but what about Matt Stafford? I think up in his entire career, if you would have walked around and said, hey, who are some of the top five, six quarterbacks in in the league? Matt Stafford probably would have never been in that list, but he's, what, the fastest to 20,000 yards, fastest to 30,000 yards, playing on a horrible team. Now he gets a chance to go to L.A. and he can finally punch it in in his first real chance in the playoffs. It's always amazing that when you win, that is the ultimate sanitizer because you're exactly right. You look at Matthew Stafford's numbers, and they are phenomenal what he was able to do despite the organization around him where they never provided him with a competent running game. They never seemed to have a really good defense to help him out. At times, the coaching decisions that they've made, other than Jim Caldwell, left you wondering exactly what are you doing not putting the right kind of pieces or wanting to put the right kind of pieces around Matthew Stafford. So I've heard a lot of that conversation that he needs a Super Bowl win to cement him in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is just ludicrous because there are plenty of guys in the Pro Football Hall of Fame that had great careers that didn't win a championship. Dan Fouts comes to mind. Dan Marino's another guy. So I'm not buying that whole narrative that if he doesn't win a Super Bowl, if the Rams don't win against the Bengals, then that's going to really play the case against being a Hall of Fame. What if Matthew Stafford goes out there and he throws for 400 yards and five touchdowns? You're going to say that even if they didn't win the game, that's why he's not going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He has been terrific, and getting a chance to be on this stage, I don't put anything past Matthew Stafford trying to make sure that the naysayers had nothing more to say about his lack of ability when it comes to being a Hall of Fame quarterback. Freddie, how much fun is Jamar Chase versus Jalen Ramsey going to be? I would love to have a hidden microphone around those two because I guarantee you that conversation is going to be flying between both of those guys. And to me, that's the premier matchup in this Super Bowl. And especially when Cincinnati does not have somebody on the other side that can kind of level off Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. Jalen Ramsey is a shutdown corner, but Jamar Chase is not afraid, and his quarterback, Joe Burrow, is not afraid. They're going to look over there, and they're not just going to say, we're not going over there. They're going to say, oh, yeah, you think you're that bad? We're going to find out. So both of those guys will not back down. Both of those guys are going to make plays. There's going to be a lot of fat-mouthing and trash-talking. That is the one match I can't wait to see, and I wish there was a hidden microphone around both of those guys because the conversation may be as good as both of those two physically going up against each other. Jalen Ramsey, superstar. You know, uh, J- uh, Jamar Chase, uh, young superstar. Aaron, and, you know, Aaron Donald might be the best player, uh, you know, on, you know uh, on both teams. Rock star. Odell Beckham Jr. He leaves Cleveland. You see what he's doing for this Rams offense. I mean, I know that it's gonna be it's gonna be storylines galore, uh, Freddie, when you talk about both of these teams. But is there a better story going into the Super Bowl and that and that redemption story like Odell Odell Beckham Jr. 
the the best one is of course Joe Burrow because he's a young guy. But you're exactly right because Odell Beckham Jr. when he got a chance to be freed from the Cleveland Browns, he went to the Los Angeles Rams, and people were wondering, well, hey, Cooper Cup's the best wide receiver. How's he going to handle that? He's handled that quite nicely, mainly because he's been a perfect complement to Cooper Cup and vice versa. Look at Odell Beckham Jr.'s numbers in the playoffs. You say to yourself, man, he's playing at a number one wide receiver level that we had not seen from for more than a long, long time, and he's in a perfect kind of offense with Sean McVay. They want to run the football but they will take their shots down the field and give them opportunities to make plays, even though Cooper Cup gets those opportunities too. Not right. a guy that has that kind of ability. And a coach that can really accent that ability, that has been a tremendous storyline because Otto Beckham Jr. has gone about his business, not bothered anybody, and been a productive wide receiver that we saw in the beginning of his NFL career when he played for the New York Giants. Freddie Coleman joining us here on 3 and Out, uh, co-host of Freddie and Fitzsimmons on ESPN Radio. And uh, we've talked about some of the on-the-field stuff what about this coaching matchup? Sean McVay a couple years ago was deemed kind of like the next hot rising superstar, and then he scored three points in the Super Bowl, and people were like, well, what happened? Uh, and now you have Zach Taylor, who I think is probably a relative unknown around the National Football League in, in fan circles. I uh, want to know this guy. What kind of – we talk about legacies for quarterbacks and players. What does this do for the coach that wins this game uh, and their kind of legacy around the National Football League? Well, if you're Zach Taylor, you're playing with house money because people thought that you weren't going to last the season, that you were going to be fired because nobody thought the Bengals would be any good. So he's playing with house money right now. But when it comes to Sean McVay, yeah, he still has 13-3 to in his mind when they played the New England Patriots, and as great of a play caller he is, he can only put a three points against that defense. He's going to put up more than three points, but everybody talks about Matthew Stafford and how he's going to play. I think a hidden element in this game is what kind of play calling is Sean McVay going to do to make sure that his quarterback continues to stay, to stay hot like we've seen from Matthew Stafford so far in this playoffs where he has not missed on a lot of deep throws down the field. So that's the one thing I can't wait to see exactly. If that's going to work, if Matthew Stafford's going to play well, a lot of pressure is going to be on Sean McVay to make sure that they can get that ball, put those guys in the right positions, dominate on the running game, wear out that Cincinnati Bengals defense, and not miss those big shots down the field because those big shot opportunities are going to be there. And, Freddie, finally, I mean, so many storylines. You talk about Sean McVay. You talk about Zach Taylor. You talk about Joe Burrow. You talk about Matthew Stafford. You talk about Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, Jamar Chase. It's, it's going. If you're looking for stars, you will get them on Sunday. When it's all said and done, is it the guy in year 13 that finally get to add to his legacy, or is it the young upstart in Joe Burrow who's saying, listen, man, Cincinnati is putting everybody on notice, and we're going to be here to stay for a while? I'm going to take the Los Angeles Rams. I have not backed off of that. When we found out this was going to be the matchup a little more, a little less than two weeks ago, I said I'm going to take the Rams, and I'm not backing off of that. But this Bengals team, they are not going to make it easy. There's a big reason why this spread is four points, because both of these teams don't run away from opponents, and I don't expect anybody to blow anybody out in this football game unless one team is playing completely terrible, and that's going to happen. I don't foresee that happening with either one of these teams. I just think this Rams football team, they know what kind of game this is going to be. It's going to be a relentless kind of game. I think big plays we made everywhere, impactful plays will be made everywhere. But I think it's all said and done. I got the Rams winning this game 28-24. to We may look back at the Super Bowl and say, is this a Super Bowl that could be a top-10 Super Bowl? I think it has all the potential to be that involving both of these teams. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, co-host of Freddie and Fitzsimmons, joining us here on 3 and Out. Freddie, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. My pleasure, gentlemen. Enjoy the Super Bowl and don't eat too much, okay? Oh, oh, well, we'll enjoy it and we probably will eat too much, but we appreciate the time. Thanks so much. That sounds good. <laughs> Freddie Coleman joining us here on uh, 3 and Out. And, uh, again, uh, a lot of great stuff there in regards to the Super Bowl, Ben. And uh, could it be Joe Burrow? And just what would it mean? I mean, I think people don't understand how much just adding that Super Bowl champion does 
for for guys around the league. I mean, I, I think I think you talk about superstar status. You talk about something, Kevin, that can never be taken away, regardless of how your career sure. ends up individually. That's something to say. Hey, man, when you in the room with Super Bowl champs, you on that list. You talk about Dan Fouts. He talk about uh, you know Boomer Sizing. You talk about Dan Marino. Those guys not in the room. You could add your name to that list, which they very very short. We will come back. We will give our Super Bowl predictions when we return here. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Love to hear from you on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We are streaming live ESPNCoastal.com and live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube as well.